lot of people don't have jobs, they don't have anything to fall back on because they struggle to even have power to do the most basic of tasks. And power at this point where we are in the world shouldn't be our problem. So partners and I saw this and we saw that there was something to be done here. So what we decided to do was provide solar power for people. Now, another obstacle came there because solar power is quite expensive to acquire. So we thought, what can we do to help people get solar in their homes and businesses? And we decided to come up with our power as a service model, which is where we deploy the solution and people just pay for the service. We've put systems in over 300 locations across Nigeria. We have a lot of testimonies, a lot of people who are really happy with what they have with us. We've even evolved into another model where we pick up commercial clusters and we power them. And we're having so much joy with that. By the end of the year, we should have about 10,000 people registered to our platform. So I bring that now to Africa right now. It's an excellent platform for us to meet investors because that model requires a lot of funding. So we need investors who share the dream, share the vision, understand the impact we're having and can help get us to our destination. It's an exciting journey. It's been fantastic so far. I think with this Africa Arena conference, it's, it's, I have a good feeling about it. I know it's going to be great. Welcome to the Africa Arena podcast. Welcome back to season six. It's good to have you here. We hope you enjoyed the season so far. And uh, this episode, we are calling it the Grand Summit Spotlight. Every year, Africa Arena invites key tech investors in Africa to connect and workshop around their main challenges and opportunities. We invite more than 780 ecosystem partners from Africa, Europe, the US and Asia, who all come together, who fly in from all over the world to come and learn from one another, to pitch, to connect, to laugh, share stories, war stories, unpack the many lessons with the goal of building Africa together. Since our inception in 2017, our community has been dedicated to supporting the creation of market access and investment opportunities for our ever-increasing community of founders, angels, corporates, and VC investors. What we do is we host four regional summits in North, West, East, and Southern Africa, where throughout our open source platform, we connect all of our ecosystem partners or founders, investors, incubators, accelerators, and public-private enterprise in institutions to choose the best innovative ideas to then come to our Grand Summit in Cape Town, courtesy of all our magnificent sponsors hosted in November each year. To date, over the past six years, our alumni have raised just over $450 million and created a significant amount of impact on our continent and beyond. That's huge for us in only six years. And this year, we once again will host our annual Grand Summit in Cape Town between the 8th and 9th of November. And like always, it'll be preceded by our two special focused events, the Founders Bootcamp, which is for all of our startup founders to get them ready for the summit and as, as much coaching and polishing as need be. And of course, the Unconference Weekend where all investors come together and share war stories on how best to build the investment ecosystem within their respective communities and the continent. And uh, these takes place on the 5th to the 7th of November. So if you haven't secured your spots, guys, what are you waiting for? Go to our website, africarena.com, book your ticket, buy a ticket for someone who can't make it or can't necessarily fund it or make it possible. Just bring someone, bring a friend, bring a colleague, bring an ecosystem partner, bring a client 
It is an awesome, awesome connection of the whole ecosystem. It's full of energy. It's full of fun. It's full of packed, full of insights and learnings. It's, everyone comes together and you leave feeling so inspired to go and plan your forthcoming year. And if you can't make it, if you really can't make it all the way to Cape Town, then we do stream both days all over across our YouTube and our LinkedIn channels. So you can also watch it there for free. It is at these events that we all come together to spark, to exchange ideas, to meet new people and to progress our agendas. I think it's incredible to have a platform like this that gets African entrepreneurs to think about themselves on a global stage. Right guys, in this episode, we feature four ecosystem partners who share some incredible insights, lessons and stories learned from their respective adventures on the continent. So without further ado, let's get stuck in. And the company you represent. Okay, Zach George, uh, managing partner at Launch Africa Ventures. Zach, good to see you again always, man. I think, uh, you know, I think the reason why we keep tapping in with you is, is very much you've got an alternative perspective on the space and the ecosystem. And obviously you're playing at a very, very grassroots space where you know, it's tough, it's challenging, it's uphill, but the impact you make is monumental. In today's discussion, there was, uh, you know, some challenge to the traditional VC space. And I wanted to kind of chat to you a bit about what are your views on where VC is going, just uh, maybe not in the next five years, but at least like what needs to change for Africa to really like thrive when it comes to the space that you work in? Yeah, thanks. Um, thanks, buddy. Um, the whole idea of venture capital in Africa needs to needs to be more studied from uh, a relevance, from a consumer purchasing power perspective. Yeah. A lot of the VC models in the US, in Europe, and even in Asia were built on this, you know, 220 structure, 2% management fees, 20% carry over 10 to 12 years. And that doesn't really work when you have a small fund to work with, when you're dealing with early stage companies, right? Mm -hmm. So also the VC model is predicated on a couple or you know, three or four really big outliers and a lot of failures. Sure. And what really needs to change in, uh, fr from an African VC standpoint is having more companies that go past Series A, Series B into solving real problems through technology. <laughs> so if we could have companies that make three, four, five times your money for investors, aren't blowout successes, but create jobs, have an impact, sure. and change economies, that's, that, that is what VC should be doing in Africa. Sure. And that's a big part of what we do. We invest in a lot of companies. We average about a deal every week in the early stage across Africa. We do deals in Egypt, Nigeria, Ghana, Kenya, Senegal, South Africa. But we work very closely with companies that are making a dent in yeah. what they do yeah. using technology. Um, and do you and, find that yeah. guys are traditionally trying to f constantly go after that 10x, 20x, 30x instead of settling for the 5, 6 to 10? Yeah, so obviously as a VC, we want to see massive returns for every single company. But we also want to de-risk ourselves on the downside to not see a lot of failures. So out of the 70 plus companies we've invested in, it's been more than a year now. Not a single one is even close to showing any signs of failing. Wow. All right. Um, and that's because we pick companies that solve real problems and have clear corporate startup collaboration in place. 
So through POCs, through pilots, through licenses, through JVs. So you don't have to be the sexiest company around using the most sophisticated technology. All you have to be doing is solving a real problem. Mm. You know, if it's in the delivery of food or in the delivery of pharmacy, uh, sorry, uh, drugs for pharmaceutical companies, or if it's in making supply chain efficiencies more likely, or you know, making transportation easier through good mapping technology. So as long as you solve a real problem, you know, Africa has 1.4 billion people, of which 60% are under the age of 25. Yeah. All these individuals, these 800 million people odd, need, you know, access to stable telecoms, food, water, education, healthcare, and technology solves those problems, right? Yeah. So it's about investing in real businesses for real people. And it's very hard to lose money if you're solving real problems in people's lives. And that's what we, we, we do, not just aim to do. You mentioned that uh, like collaborations come up a lot. It's always a theme at the, at the Sun Conference. And uh, what do you think, what would you like the, the ecosystem to do more of or less of when it comes to specifically collaborating with your counterparts? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not a believer in competition at all. There's this phrase I love to use, it's called a rising tide lifts all ships. Yeah. So the venture industry in Africa is only about $4 billion. For a continent of 1.4 billion people, 54 countries, that's not a lot. It's, yeah. it's significantly higher than what it was as little as three or four years ago. It's grown from about half a billion to four billion in just three years or four years. Yeah. But there is no such thing as my deal, your deal. There are so many businesses that need capital, mentorship, resources and networks sure. that VCs across Africa should be co-investing and collaborating. So from our standpoint, we rarely go in and back companies as the sole funder. It, it has happened a few times, but we have no problem whatsoever co-investing with other VCs, provided the terms make sense. But, but you know, as long as our true north is, can the founders, re like, are these terms founder-friendly? Yeah. So we are always a, a founder-friendly, founder-first VC, where we have an incredible relationship and trust with founders. Mm. And I, I mentioned this earlier in, in, the, in the conference today, you cannot buy your way into trust. Sure. Trust has to be earned. Amen. And, and that's something we've done for the last 10 years. And um, we believe that other VCs will follow suit and, uh, and co-invest with us. If uh, I gave you a magic wand, the final question, and um, I said to you, what would be the one thing that you'd love to change so that when we touch base again next year, it would have happened? Is there anything specific that's Yeah, I just, I just really like to see more, more VCs come in a lot earlier and not just wait until Series A and Series B where things are on a platter for them. Sure. Um, it's great to be an angel investor. It's great to be you know, part of a friends and family round. But angel investors don't add a lot of strategic capital to a deal. VCs do. And I'd love to see more VCs play you know, pre-Series A, seed, pre-seed. Um, you know, we, we have gone literally where no man has gone before. You know, not to use a Star or Star Wars um, jingle, but we've 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 gone where no VC has gone before. Sure. We go all across Africa. We do super early stage investments, and it's only a matter of time before founders speak well of us. They refer us to other founders, who will refer us to other VCs. So yeah. it's 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 a bit of a vicious circle, but a good vicious circle. Awesome, dude. Always rad speaking to you. Good luck on your adventure, and I Thank look you. forward to touching base soon. Thanks, buddy. Perfect. Thank you. I'm, I'm Sasha Hyder and I'm a partner at Global Ventures. I'm 
obviously fintech's always been a massive uh, focus for Africa just by the fact that so many um, of the population are unbanked um, and the proliferation of the need for you know being able to support everything from small merchants and things like that are there any other technology trends that you guys have seen that are really interesting um, in the space that are maybe have come come onto your radar lately from a, a more focused perspective Sure. So I think that, you know, we always look at sort of like, you know, fintech as like the enabling infrastructure for everything in terms of if people are going to consume digitally, there needs to be a way to pay for things um, uh, digitally as well. Right. So I think you always see like fintech as the first step. And then, you know, to some of the conversations we saw, we heard earlier this morning, it's really fintech that has a flywheel in the African ecosystem. So, it, you know, it benefits and it's like the circular reference almost. I think some of the other sectors which are like increasingly important um, are healthcare. So I think healthcare infrastructure, which is like super important for us in a sector that we focus on a lot, is you know a very defensive sector, and people are always going to need healthcare, and they're always going to need to consume healthcare. And I think for a very long time, the African consumer hasn't had healthcare tailored to its needs. So I think we're super excited about that sector, and we're super excited about people solving you know significant problems in that space. I think education as well. So education is you know very aspirational, and I think a lot of the traditional education models don't necessarily work, both at the K-12 level. Level, but then also at the higher education level. If you are, like, you know, we mapped out um, the African edtech landscape, and I think that one of the most interesting things we saw was that, like, around higher education, there was just like a blank space with like a few players. Um, but one of the most interesting things, one of the most exciting things, especially as, you know, the world moves to a more decentralized model, um, and there's a lot more people who are sort of taking ownership and responsibility for their education and for their healthcare, is that we're seeing, like, you know, alternative skills based edtechs popping up all over the continent focused on, on giving sort of like you know accessible and affordable um, education around sort of technical skills um, such as like you know software development um, product de dev hardware even in some situations um, which is that's like super exciting to us as well that is super cool I mean and it also goes both ways you were talking about a lot of like skills and education development there's also a need for the whole ecosystem as a whole to have uh, a further like a support structure it's kind of like while we're here and there's things like digital Agile collective and obviously all the accelerators from not only upskilling consumers and, and providing education for people to learn but also for like the actual ecosystem as a whole um, have you seen any interesting aspects or any interesting initiatives um, uh, maybe in this region or other regions where they're focusing on skills development specifically for the ecosystem to progress yeah, so I think that, you know, well, I would say, like, one of the things that we have realized, I guess, like, you know, internally was that, for example, VC as an asset class is, you know, very inaccessible to a lot of people. And I think in the U.S., traditionally, it's been very much like a privileged and in some instances, like sort of nepotistic culture. Um, and I think we look at emerging markets and I think that one of the things that's like in the, the, the culture at Global Ventures is very much around diversity of thought. Um, at the table. I think we have 18 nationalities on our team. Um, so one of the things that we started for across the Middle East and Africa, and I, I'm, I'm you know, really happy to say that we've had people all the way from you know, the Far East to you know, Nigeria and Cameroon in our internship programs, um, is really around sort of doing a, like a formal training for VC, creating accessibility, and then you know, essentially we aren't able to hire all of those people, but what we see is they then go on with the skills that they've learned in the program, and then they're able to become analysts and associates at some of the regional firms. And sort of, it's like, um, you know, I guess like in a way, uh, sort of paying it forward and, you know, it just like helps the entire ecosystem to get better. You touched on something really important there around, um, especially around like, we and it came up in the UN conference, you know, VC being quite a, uh, uh, um, 
strategy was were to use like a difficult uh, annotatable asset class or see and where is it going and where would we like it to be and one of the big things was obviously a bigger female representation um, yeah so I think that you know uh, I'll, I'll speak to the females piece because I think that's one that's very close to my heart I think that you know unfortunately there's been a bit of a narrative around female founders which I'm trying to move away from which is oh she got funded because she was female right and you know when you read you know uh, you know content or things in the media about female founders it's like first female founder too um, and I think a lot of that narrative actually undermines female founders and what they're doing and I think that you know um, occasionally I've even sat in conversations with people like oh but she's a great black female founder and I'm like I hate that you said that because it's totally diminished like the excellent build business she's building and she stacks up on her own merits so I guess like around the female founder front I think that the ecosystem has a you know is doing a lot but there's a lot more to be done around the language we use to describe female founders and the way we champion them uh, I know the intentions are good but my personal perspective is I think we need to sort of stop identifying them as female founders and just, you know, put our money where our mouth is, and like identify them, support them, and most importantly, help them to build community, which I found is like, you know, uh, the, the biggest feedback I receive from the female founders on our portfolio is that they don't enjoy community the same way that, you know, their male counterparts do. And what about on the funding or investment side of things? So I think that, you know, the challenge that we have, and I think we spoke to this like in the context of seed stage to unicorn and like how many companies, you know, eventually, you know, of the, I think, you know, two to three percent of companies that are invested in from the entire landscape, someone shared the number yesterday, only one to two percent of those became unicorns, right? So I think it's, you know, very similar in terms of investment in women. The funnel of female founders at the seed stage and the early stage who make it to like later stages is just too small, right? So I think that we have to do a lot more enabling work around like you know the early stages both in terms of investment but also terms of education also terms of like you know support to get them to the later stages in order to have that more representative like later stage portfolio great hi i'm ashish i represent aws startup team we are we landed here just a day back just to support the africa initiative um, so tell us a bit about, I mean, obviously a lot of people know what AWS is, but not many people will know the great work that you guys do in the African ecosystem. I mean, uh -huh. you guys have been a fantastic part of ours for, I think, three, and this might be the fourth year now. Absolutely. Um, we're super proud of that. And maybe just talk to, like, what it is you guys do in the ecosystem so that startups as a whole and the ecosystem as a whole really has a clear picture of what, what you guys get up to. Absolutely. So I will start with a blanket statement that AWS loves startup and startups love AWS. The very basic reason is that we provide not only the tools and resources and the technical capability for a startup to scale. Apologies for this. Um, well, so uh, AWS not only provides the tool and resources but also provide the tech infrastructure for the startups to grow faster. We understand this pretty uh, well, because of which we have created a small team, which is a cohesive team across the globe. That's called as AWS Startup Business Development Team. And we typically work with the individual startup organizations, such as Africa Arena, such as Startup Bootcamp, and we ensure that the individual startups get all the support they want, primarily trying to provide them with an access to market, access to resources and access to capital. We do this through a number of programs which we have created specifically for startups and all those programs are available to the African startup at a click of a button. They can just enroll for Startup Activate 
and then they have the access to all these tools and awesome programs which we have created just for them. And talk to some of the programs that, I mean, I'm sure there are many, but like, what are some of the unique ones? Are there any new ones or there any exciting ones that you guys are launching this year that you can give us? Just what are some of those programs for those who don't know what that could be? Awesome, nice question. So typically it starts with the first thing first, that they require the first journey or the first step into cloud. So essentially our program called as AWS Activate that acts as an umbrella program and a gateway entry into all the other programs. Once a startup signs up with AWS Activate, they get auto-enrolled for other programs as well. The other programs such as well-architected framework review, not only that, but also on the cost optimization bit, essentially trying to give them the infrastructural bit, bit, uh, view on how exactly to create a resilient, scalable, cost-effective infrastructure. On top of that, in, in case they want to have the to have the support of go-to-market, they can take uh, part in the AWS connection program, which ensures that the enterprises of the world gets, gets the support from the offering what is being offered by the individual startup, thus creating a matchmaking tool between the two. We just do the discussion ahead, we take the conversation ahead, and then we move on to the conversation because we want the startups to, to basically pitch the product and sign off their own. That's amazing. And lastly, we catch up with the founders of ParkSmart, an innovative parking solution that is solving the parking crisis in Dakar. You know, because as, as, just, uh, as a startup, you just you have no clue what you're doing, right? So you're just kind of winging it. But getting to, to a group of people that have that same challenges, it really helps a lot. So that was really helpful. Um, and uh, I mean, it's just the same, you know, uh, trying to compare how to run a business in Senegal versus the U.S. is totally different. You know, you have to kind of throw that thing outside of your mind and say, okay, ideally I would like for this to happen, but it's not going to happen that way. I have to change it and change my mind setting and change it into something else. Um, so, I mean, that, that was, uh, the, at the beginning it was a bit challenging, but it was, I mean, yeah. I'm still having fun with it. So. And I've had the opportunity to, uh, to work in a tech space, in a startup, um, environment in the U.S. and also here uh, in Africa in general, um, more specifically Senegal. And uh, the, you know, the first thing I have to say, she's right. Um, it's never been better. Um, there's so much synergies, so much um, interest, so much traction that's going towards this effort. At least in this corner of the planet, um, you know, this is the place to be right now. Um, you know, from the perspective of a founder. Um, I, but I do remember back in the States when they were trying to introduce incubators before even the, the concept of an accelerator existed. You know, they were trying to um, resolve the same challenges. And uh, the way we're doing it today, we can tell, we learn from experience, from past experience, what others have done, and we're not making the same mistakes. Um, but, you know, again, as a founder, if there's something that's lacking and which we could improve today, it's maybe creating a personality to the ecosystem. It kind of feels like, um, um, and I think it's been mentioned before, that money's coming in, we're not really sure for what. The, um, there's still a lot of taboo that are being discussed. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, a good analogy would be the, um, the movie Saving Private Ryan. You know, we kind of feel like we're Tom Hank, we're the guy who got to save somebody somewhere that we don't even know. 
but it's a mission that's bigger than us and most of us are not going to make it, right? We all agree on that, but we got to move forward and it's a, it's a cause bigger than ourselves. But uh, the, the, the advantage there, and um, that's where you have a difference, you know, you can differentiate the successful ecosystem versus the ones that try to exist but never really do, is that there's a purpose, there's, um, uh, there's a safety net. And, um, you know, I think, like I said earlier, you know, we need to be willing to talk about taboos. At the end of the day, we're in Africa, you know, which carries an image that was actually built by the global business community, and it's very hard to get rid of it till today. For any outsider, they don't understand that this is happening. They don't even believe that this is happening. If you tell them it's happening, they won't believe you, right? And you can only um, it change the narrative with the um, portraying, you know, um, uh, defending the fact that you're actually doing it in, you know, in one way or another. Um, the, um, uh, uh, the things that we're doing when they work, we know we kind of circle with a lot of unicorns. I think now we know Flutterwave is one of them. You get a lot of adversity, even government adversity, you know. And one of the advantages of being in the Silicon Valley, you can change the word. You have a safety net because you're protected from all that adversity. You know, Elon Musk knew he could do it there. He couldn't do it in London. He couldn't do it in Moscow. He could do it in Silicon Valley. That ecosystem will protect him. You know, and we don't know if we are protected as we move forward with these ventures, where we break after many rules that, you know, are either untold or unwritten. We're trying to grow on a global scale, certainly in Africa, but it's still a global experience, a global journey. We go across. Um, different um, laws, different currencies, and we need to be willing to talk about what is the political impact of um, everything that we're trying to do together as an ecosystem and understand, like you said, is impact the priority? Is uh, for profit the, the, the priority? Because it's a different language, it's a different way to set, to define success. And for us, you know, we kind of need a, um, somebody to hold the torch so we know when we're moving along with everybody else in a positive way or if we're actually doing this alone and we don't know where we're going to end up. Mm, so true. What a journey it is. As each entrepreneur jumps on and continues along the hero's journey, we look forward to welcoming them and all of you at the Africa Arena Summit on the 8th and 9th of November at the Biscuit Mill Cape Town in South Africa. If you haven't got your ticket yet and you're still on a fence, I hope this episode helped convince you. This was just a small selection of some of the insights from our ecosystem partners, players, entrepreneurs, investors across the whole continent who will all be arriving in Cape Town on the 8th and 9th of November for our sixth annual Grand Summit taking place. And if you'd like to join the Investor Unconference, there might still be space. Um, so reach out to us via our social channels, africareno.com and we'll connect you to the relevant people. But till then, we will see you next time and see you at the summit and have a great time. Firstly, thank you so much for your time. Um, let's just start macro. So, you know, West Africa, Senegal, Dakar, Cote d'Ivoire, mm -hmm. it's still relatively unknown for 
the broader market. Yeah. People are obviously quite aware of the top four, Lagos, Kenya, mm -hmm. South Africa. Yeah. What would you how would you start? How would you introduce this part of the world from a tech investment ecosystem perspective? Oh man. Uh, usually I say this. Uh, once you take out the top four markets in Africa, yeah. everything else is pretty similar. Half of it is Francophone, the other half is uh, Anglophone. So don't underestimate the Francophone part. It's 400 million people. Um, like all African cities, they're all coming online. Sure. Uh, startups are uh, popping up everywhere. Uh, there are the same economies uh, in mobility and logistics, in commerce, everywhere that benefit usually from digitizing. So the opportunity is the same. Uh, the question is, why are we not seeing yet uh, African startups from this region emerge on the global scene? Sure. But the opportunity is definitely there. It is there, and I think, you know, for me personally, it's definitely opened my eyes. You know, uh, I've been to all the other regions, first time in Dakar, and the perception has definitely shifted. And I think what's so great though, especially with this country, I mean, we were in the unconference the other day where we had yeah. the minister sitting in and, and, and getting involved. And whether whether you, whether you we agree on government's procedures or regulations, or it's the first time that we've, we've been in a region where somebody's been so hands-on, which has been yeah. fantastic. And, it just seems, you know, similarly to, to Paul, what Paul Gagame is doing in Rwanda, yeah, yeah. you know, the government's very involved in enabling that. Yeah. Um, do you think that private sector could play a bigger role as well? Absolutely. So, actually, I'll, I'll step back a bit on what's going on, I think, in Dakar and also happening probably in, in this all the West African countries and all the way to Cameroon. You have a pool of talent that is quite strong. Yeah. This is something that can be easily overlooked sure. because they don't speak English. Sure. Uh, but a pool of s software engineers that is really strong. Dakar is a city that is full of schools. People come from all over the region to study in Dakar. And all of these students, you know, come out skilled and ready to work. And entrepreneurship becomes, a, plays a huge role in absorbing these people in the workforce. And everybody is aware of this. Uh, the private sector as well as the government. Yeah. So it's no wonder that the government is there next to you, is hands-on, yeah. and trying to foster and support entrepreneurs yeah. because we are having this huge pool of young talent sure. that you need to put to work, otherwise sure. it becomes something else yeah. unpleasant. Yeah. And um, a lot of governments around here are also just coming to terms with the fact that uh, these tech startups are not just some side phenomenon. Sure. That it's something that is attracting significant attention to their countries. They love that attention. Yeah. It's attracting significant investment. Yeah. The way VC investment has been growing compared to private equity is the same everywhere. And so it's becoming significant as sure. investment. So they're looking at it. And so that's what's driving government. Now, should private sector be involved? You know, private sector will be involved if they see money for them in it, right? I keep saying that what we are missing probably is that founding event where an investment by some angel or a private company into this tech startup scene pays off beautifully and it becomes the new and the next day everybody wants in. Sure. We have not had that yet. Sure. Um, so for now, you know, you can see a few big corporates like Orange getting involved. Yeah. Uh, you can see a few angels yeah. and, and keep in mind that in the Francophone space, investment angel investment is not in the culture yeah. but we are already seeing a few angels getting in 
I, I think we just need that that spark, that startup. That and if you look at the pool of early stage startup right now, I think that that spark is nearly here. That that one company that will just go ballistic, and everybody is regretting not putting money in it, so yeah. that the next day two things happen. All everybody have their check out and are looking for a company to invest yeah. and every good talent sitting in a corporate is thinking this could be me yeah. 